Hello and welcome to another episode of Melodic Eats where we discuss music, food, and culture. I'm your host Matthew Jeans and today we're diving into the fascinating world of Japanese cuisine and music. Two art forms that have danced together through history creating a symphony that resonates in every bite and every beat. And also just stick around because I'm going to try to get through this. There are a lot of words that are sometimes just not going to be pronounced correctly, okay? I'm going to do my best here. But before we dive in, I just kind of want to show a little bit of my background in that my first exposure to sushi, because I feel like most people just think sushi immediately. And whenever they think of Japanese food, probably not everyone. I think of ramen oftentimes, but uh, I digress. But I remember when I was a kid and tried sushi and everyone's like, oh, you should try a California roll. I don't know if everyone else has been told that ever, but I absolutely hated it. But when I got real sushi, I absolutely loved it. And I was, I don't remember how old I was. I was still at least in middle school, I would say. But I love sushi. I love spicy anything, but like spicy tuna, spicy yellowtail. Those are two of my go-tos. Let me know <laughs> what are some of your go-tos. And I'm just curious to know if you like sushi, if you don't, what was your first experience? Did someone tell you to try the California roll first, you know, just to ease into it? I don't give that advice. I, I didn't like California rolls, but anyways. Stories aside, today's episode isn't just about food or music. It's about the beautiful way they intertwine in Japanese culture. From the serene rituals of tea ceremonies to the vibrant beats of taiko drums, we're about to explore how these elements blend create experiences that are as enriching and fulfilling as they are delicious and melodious. So grab your chopsticks, tune your senses, and let's embark on this cultural odyssey. Let's first delve deeper into the world of Japanese cuisine. So each dish is really a brushstroke of history, every flavor, an echo of the past. Japanese food, or wasoku, isn't just sustenance, it's a cultural expression that is richly woven into the threads of tradition and innovation, painting a picture of Japan's soul on the canvas of a global cuisine. So let's get into the historical roots briefly. As we pull back the layers of time, our first taste of history brings us to the spiritual influences that have seasoned the essence of Japanese cooking. With the arrival of Buddhism, a tapestry of vegetarianism was woven into the fabric of Japan, and this wasn't just a dietary change, it was a philosophical revolution that championed harmony with all living things. So imagine ancient chefs akin to alchemists transforming tofu into delectable bites and seaweeds into savory delights. And yes, I, I did intentionally make that rhyme. Their kitchens are brimming with the fragrance of innovation. On the flip side, Shintoism's deep-rooted belief in the kami, the spirits residing in nature, brought about a profound respect for the ingredients themselves. It's a respect that goes beyond the taste, delving into the very soul of the food. The Shinto practice of offering the most fresh and pure items to the gods at shrines has mirrored itself to the Japanese plate. When you partake in a simple bowl of miso soup, every sip is steeped in these ancient traditions, a communion with centuries of spiritual and cultural evolution. So let's quickly go over the seasonality and aesthetics, you know, that art of presentation we eat with our eyes first. So when you waltz further into that aesthetic dance of Japanese gastronomy, we find that the changing seasons play the lead, and the concept of shun dictates that food should be enjoyed in its proper time, capturing the peak of flavor and essence. This respect for seasonality is not just about sourcing the freshest ingredients, it's about celebrating the transient beauty of nature, which is a nod to the Buddhist mindfulness of the present. I really find that quite fascinating because I think we take a lot of things for granted, obviously, in our food system, 
And it was a way of life, you know, when you think centuries ago, that seasonality was so huge when you were planting crops and what you could eat throughout the year. And I really like the idea of having this homage to only eating foods that are in season. And I think that's too why the pricing structure for some certain foods are more you know expensive when they're out of season, et cetera. So it's even just, I think, a more costly way of eating and living and saving a little bit of money is if you eat more seasonally, you'll likely save a little bit more money from that standpoint. But um, I do like the idea, you know, whenever it comes to fall, everyone's all about pumpkin, for instance. Like, I feel like that's probably the biggest craze we have here in America that we eat seasonally are pumpkin flavored things in the fall. But anyways, <laughs> back to Japan, the act of eating is elevated to an art form where the visual appeal of a dish sets the stage for its consumption. So again, I'm going to try my best here. The, the philosophy of Mide Tabaru, question mark. Translates to a dining experience that's a feast for the eyes as much as for the palate. So picture the delicate slices of sashimi, or you know how I like to say sashimis. If you watch Letterkenny, you understand sushis and sashimis. Their hues as vibrant as the petals of cherry blossoms in the spring. I live in DC, so I'm all about cherry blossoms. Uh, and that's actually coming up here in the next month and a half. So super excited about that. I'm just like getting off track a lot. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I kind of like getting off script a little bit, and I think that it's fun to do so because it's not fun to just hear someone read a script. And yes, I do have scripts for my episodes oftentimes, and, you know, I think it just keeps me on track more so because I do want these to be melodic bites. That's the name of the podcast. I don't want episodes to be much longer than 20 minutes, like tops, and it just helps me stay focused on what I I want to get across with my audience. So let me know if you if you like my little side rants. I'm happy to incorporate them more so. Back to the cherry blossoms. So, you know, thinking about the cherry blossoms in the spring or the intricate mosaics within a bento box. Each compartment has its own taste and texture. It's a culinary ballet where chefs choreograph the presentation of dishes to tell a story, to evoke a feeling, or to create a moment that lingers in memory long after the meal has ended. And now let's savor some stories of Japan's most iconic dishes. So ramen, which I mentioned earlier, I uh, also have not been able to find a really great ramen place here in DC. It's been kind of disappointing. Even people that say, oh, go here and, and rave about it. I'm kind of like, meh. I will say if you are listening from Austin, Texas, go to Michi Ramen because that was my favorite place. I, I miss it so much. Anytime I'm in Austin, I always, 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 always go there. Shout out to Michi Ramen. But ramen is more than a bowl of noodles. It's a narrative of cultural exchange and adaptation. So originally, it was a Chinese import, and it was embraced by Japan with infusing local flavors, and it evolved over time into a comforting emblem of Japanese innovation. So it's a dish that's traveled from the Silk Roads to the bustling streets of Tokyo, uh, and every bowl kind of has this its own testimony to its journey. And that's what I love about trying ramen in different places is it's it's very different no matter where you go, even regionally, if it's the same ingredients, it just tastes quite different. Then you have sushi. So this is a quintessential Japanese dish. It's a symphony of simplicity and complexity. Each piece is a harmony of vinegar infused rice, fresh fish, and a whisper of nori and edible art that's as much about skill as it is about spirit. And the process of sushi making is meditative, almost sacred, reflecting the Japanese dedication to craftsmanship and excellence. And I love, love, love whenever you can watch 
in sushi restaurants, see them make it in front of you. I think that is so much fun to watch them do it and they do it with ease, even though it is, you know, can be a pretty complex thing to make. And then there's tempura, which is a dish with a globetrotting past beginning its life as a Portuguese import before undergoing a Japanese transformation. So enrobed in a light crisp batter, each piece of tempura is a celebration of texture and flavor, which is a delightful contrast that has captivated palates for centuries. Let's move into the musical evolution in Japan. And from the delicate flavors of sushi to the soulful notes of a shamisen, Japan's culture is a rich tapestry of traditions and innovations. Our musical odyssey begins in the ancient imperial courts where every pluck of a string in each note sung was believed to connect the earthly realm with the divine. Chinese court music, with its intricate melodies and philosophical depth, seeped into the fabric of early Japanese society and influenced the narrative and lyrical vocalizations that became the heartbeat of Japan's own music. And these were stories that were painted with sound, conveying emotions and the very essence of life. The gagaku, an ancient court music, often accompanied by elegant dance, still resonates today, a ghostly whisper from the past reminding us of a time when music was a sacred bridge between mortals and gods. Envision the court musicians, their lives devoted to perfecting the art, each performance an act of both entertainment and spiritual communion. So as we glide through time to the high-end period, music found a special place in the hearts of the nobility. No longer solely a courtly affair, it became a personal endeavor. Noble men and women themselves became artists, creating and performing music that reflected their own thoughts and emotions. The koto, with its hauntingly beautiful strings, I, I love the koto, uh, became a symbol of this era's refinement. In this era of cultural blossoming, the nobility embraced music as a reflection of one's soul and status. Elegant gatherings often featured poetic duels, where the twang of a string would complement the recitation of a waka, which is a type of Japanese poem, creating a sophisticated tapestry of word and melody. Now let's journey into the soul of Japan's traditional instruments. The biwa with, <laughs> I love how I've like enunciated the wa, the biwa with its pear-shaped body brought to life the epic tales of the haikamonogatari, I, I butchered that, but essentially it just means stories. <laughs> The shamisen introduced later added its distinctive twang to the soundtrack of Japanese life, becoming a beloved instrument among the common folk and giving rise to its own genre. The shamisen kumiuta. I don't even know if that's right. I, I even tried Googling some of these and could not like find the, the correct pronunciation. <laughs> but perhaps nothing evokes the essence of traditional Japan like the soul-stirring sounds of the koto. Each pluck of its strings is a step back in time, a note that carries with it centuries of history and emotion, allowing us to fill the breeze of ancient Japan with its timeless melodies. With the Meiji Restoration, a new movement began. As Western music flowed into Japan, it mingled with the traditional sounds, creating an exciting new soundscape. Imagine a shamisen strumming alongside a jazz band or a koto weaving its melodies through an orchestral suite. This was a period of innovation where composers like, sorry if I butcher the names, Rintaro Taki and Michio Miyagi stretched the boundaries of Japanese music, blending the old with the new, and in doing so, gave it a new voice that resonated across the world. Following the devastation of World War II, Japan experienced a cultural renaissance, a revival of traditional music that was both a comfort and a source of national pride. Artists like Hibari Masura and the folk group Nihomi no Kyokai played pivotal roles in bringing traditional sounds to a modern audience. 
Today, as we witness a Japanese music scene that's a kaleidoscope of genres, a testament to its resilience and adaptability, from the ancient strains of no and kabuki to the modern pulses of J-pop and beyond, the music of Japan tells a tale of a nation's journey through time, a story that's as dynamic and vibrant as the culture from which it springs. So as we savor the rich flavors of Japanese cuisine and tuned into the rhythmic beats of its music, it's clear that these two art forms share a special symbiotic relationship. In Japan, food and music don't just coexist, they dance together, creating experiences that are as culturally rich as they are sensory. In Japanese culture, festivals are a feast for the senses, and this is where you'll witness the most enchanting fusion of food and music. Take Oshogatsu, the Japanese New Year, as an example. It's a time of joyous celebration, and something we've talked about in a previous episode, where music and food come together in a harmonious symphony. The beats of the taiko drums echo as families gather to enjoy traditional dishes like osechi ryori, each element symbolizing hope and prosperity for the New Year. So now let's noodle on a fascinating story, the tale of ramen. This dish isn't just a culinary icon, it's a cultural phenomenon. From its humble beginnings to becoming a symbol of Japanese identity, ramen has inspired countless songs, movies, and TV shows. It's a story of resilience, adaptation, and flavor mirroring the narrative of Japan itself. The way ramen has been celebrated in music and media reflects how deeply food is ingrained in the cultural psyche of Japan. And in contemporary Japan, this fusion of food and music isn't just confined to festivals or traditional settings, it's literally everywhere. Like I said, in TV dramas, it's in anime and even pop music. Food-themed songs chart the emotional landscapes of life, while shows like Midnight Diner blend gastronomic delights with the rhythm of human stories, creating a tapestry of taste and sound. This cultural blend is a reflection of the everyday lives of the Japanese people, a mirror that shows how deeply interconnected food and music are in shaping identity and experiences. So as we reach the end of today's culinary and musical journey, it's clear that the flavors of Japan and its melodies are more than culture itself. They're narratives of history, emotion, and identity. Each dish, each tune tells a story, and together they compose what I like to call the symphony of Japanese life. In exploring the symbiotic relationship between Japanese cuisine and music, we've discovered how deeply intertwined they are. They're truly integral to understanding the Japanese spirit, which is a spirit that celebrates the beauty of nature, the rhythm of the seasons, and the joy of life's simple pleasures. Whether it's the meticulous preparation of a sushi roll, echoing the precision of a shamisen player, or the communal joy of festival where music and food unite everyone, these experiences remind us that the heart of culture lies a shared human experience. As we conclude the episode, I can't help but feel excited for the next adventure, so stay tuned and we'll be exploring the enchanting world of street foods across the globe and the rhythms that keep the night markets alive. Thank you for joining me. I hope this episode's given you a taste and a tune of Japan that you'll carry with you. And I have more detailed information on the blog over at MelodicEats.com, so you can find those there. Just search Japan in the search bar. I'm sure they'll pop up. So I hope you've enjoyed this journey and feel free to share your own experiences of food and music in the comments. I'd love to, to read some of them, feature them in an episode, discuss things at length. If you have any questions or have any topic ideas you want me to dive into from this episode, by all means, I am open to suggestions. So anyway, again, I'm Matthew Jeans and until next time, keep your beats tasty and your eats in tune.